you have people who say things like ah i wish my cousin would have seen you maybe they would have been able to take their treatment and leave and i'm like i come from a family that's very supportive mm-hmm. i have the most supportive friends maybe i'm here because of that support what kind of a person were you to your person yo Everybody, my name is Nozibele Kamgana Mayaba. Welcome to Don't Hold Back. This is where we say it loud. This is a podcast in collaboration with DW Jacaranda FM in East Coast Radio. Now, today we are tackling love and HIV. I have a very special guest, a close friend of mine. She is an HIV activist. She broke the internet by um, writing an open letter to HIV almost 10 years ago. She has worked with so many international organizations such as UN Women, UNICEF and Children's Radio. She has used her story to inspire and bring more awareness about HIV worldwide. I consider her as one of my heroes because she was one of the first people that I stumbled upon when I shared my own HIV story. Please help me welcome Sadie Brown. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I love seeing that face. <laughs> I love seeing this face. <laughs> Listen, before we get into, you know, the topic for mm-hmm. today, um, yeah, I see a bowl of chips. Yes. Um, so we have, you know, a special segment on, on the episode where someone brings a snack. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about your snack. What did you bring? Yeah, so I brought um, lace, right? Okay. And I call them the black lace. Okay. Yes. I, don't want, I, I, want, I want the story behind it, but mm-hmm. we are not going to get into it now, much yeah. later on, because there's a couple of questions. One, why is it black lazy? And what flavor is it? And all of those things, okay? Mm-hmm. We're going to go into it much later on. Yeah. Um, but Sadie, let me start from the beginning. Almost 10 years ago, you wrote an open letter to HIV mm. on Facebook. Um, you literally broke the internet. What was the, the story behind it just talk me through all of that yeah so um so i'm 27 years old right now right and i was born with hiv so i found out when i was 14 it was a long journey of denialism and just feeling like i want to die until i was like 18 years old um and that was when i wrote the letter i think even like the reality of the fact that i was living with hiv really dawned on me when i was 18 because it was only then i could speak about it and just allow myself to be human about it and i remember going through all these emotions and my friend and my aunt were saying you need to go on counseling because you need to speak to someone and i refused i literally said i don't want to speak to anyone who gets paid to listen to me Mm. so i did not want to speak to anyone but i knew that i needed to release these feelings so i resorted to writing i remember writing it crying like i literally was crying the entire time there's a line where i said because of you i feel less pretty Mm -hmm. and i stopped and i read that line and i just broke down Mm -hmm. in tears and from there onwards i was just crying the entire Mm -hmm. time i don't know why it's making me emotional (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. it was a very emotional time in my life so i can still see myself right there writing it while crying and um after a few days i just said you know what i think i want to read it again because it was the first time i was writing something that was making me cry that much i was like i think i want to read this thing again i read it again and it just made me cry all over again and one day i decided and i said you know what i think i want to post this on facebook i'm also a very impulsive person okay (laughs) i'm very impulsive and but also i do say that i'm glad it was an impulsive decision because had I given myself even five minutes to think about it, mm. I probably would not have posted it. Mm. Yeah. So I'm and the life that you know now mm-hmm. would not be 
you know, the life that you, 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 you went to create for yourself. Mm-hmm. But how was the response? Because you were quite young. And yes. I mean, um, social media backlash and just comments from social media can take you back. Mm. Um, I've had a few moments as well. Um, so as a teenager still, mm. um, how did you take all of that? Did you, did you know what kind of response you were going to get? Um, did you care? Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, as I'm saying, it was very impulsive, right? So I just did it and I posted it and I left my phone there. When I went back, fortunately, it was back in the days where I didn't really have a huge following. And it was just Facebook. So you know, Facebook it's literally your friends and family yeah so a lot of the responses were quite positive but there were people who also felt like why am I speaking about my parents because there's some way I speak about my family but it's impossible for me to speak about my journey without speaking about my family because I was literally born with HIV <laughs> so my family are a part of my story and um, yeah I was just annoyed but I, I was just like it's whatever it's fine it's done and I don't regret it so it's it's fine I think the like the biggest um, backlash was when now I disclosed on Twitter Whoa. right because Twitter is a, like it's a huge platform times 10 yeah <laughs> actually a million times and and, and even then uh, as I'm saying I'm very impulsive mm-hmm. because even then I didn't really think it through I just it was a Friday evening and I was just like I think I want to post now and I did it and I just you know went to bed woke up the next day and my phone wouldn't work because of all these notifications and I was like what is going on because I think I had like a hundred followers at the time yeah and I was just like what happened here and a lot of people were saying things because uh, um, how I had phrased it on Twitter was saying when I was 14 I did not think that I'd live long enough to see my 18th birthday it's true and a lot of people just came in there saying what were you doing at 14 yeah you know and I was just like what are they even asking me so that was the kind of backlash that I experienced like a few years after my 18 year old Mm -hmm. um, person and like even then I think I had grown because now it's a few years later so it's just like oh, okay it's whatever yeah someone was actually asking me that um, uh, during an interview how I, I deal particularly when it comes to my HIV story I deal with the backlash or mm. someone saying something negative and it's, it's, it's the same um, I think with me there's no word or anything that you can say to me that I, at some point I've not said to myself and I've forgiven myself for it um, mm. so you will not be able to to have any kind of impact in terms yeah. of what you think about me because yes. I've already accepted my journey and this is who I am. Yeah, and it's quite impossible for people to weaponize HIV on us because we literally are the people who told them that we are Exactly. Living. Like, I'm the one who told I gave you this information. How are you weaponizing it? You are it? in my platform. I already told you <laughs> yes. that I'm HIV positive. You Didn't I tell back? you this information? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh-uh. you can't. So with me, the activism came in unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to you, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to share this one particular video on YouTube and that will be it. But then people kept on asking more questions. Um, when did your activism start? And um, just take us through the journey. Yeah, so um, I think... I mean, I was 18, right? And I wrote that open letter. And now surprisingly, I think the one thing that I was not expecting was getting followers because of that. I literally thought I was going to post it. People are going to say, okay, fine. And we're going to move on. But people now started adding me on Facebook. They started sending me messages about their situations with HIV. And I remember also thinking, because I come from a remote township in the Northwest, it's called Itzoseng. And 
when I disclosed, I think I was like the first person to ever do it. Because growing up, I've never seen anyone who was speaking about it like we do. Yeah. And I literally thought I was the first person to ever live with HIV there. Mm -hmm. So to see people from my same neighborhood say, I'm actually also living with HIV. Mm -hmm. To go to the clinic and see pills literally that accessible. Because I thought we'd have to start applying. I literally thought I was the first one. I saw these pills. I could see the people's stories. I was like, no, we are living with HIV, but we're not saying anything about it. Mm -hmm. So then I decided to then use that platform that I had already now created and this community that I had now cultivated wow. to just keep saying, let us live. We are greater. Mm -hmm. Leave us alone. And people want the, rel the, like, the relatability of yes. the story because mm -hmm. um, we, when I came out or just even before as I was navigating the journey, mm -hmm. I did not have someone that I could relate to. Yeah. Um, it was always someone very far um, of that I could just could never relate to. Yes. So I wanted the everyday person where mm. like, listen, um, I know I said we should take our pills, but there are days I'm where I'm like, I do not want to take my pills. Okay. <laughs> and um, I think that's what I love about you as well. The relatability of your story, um, literally like the girl next door. Mm. And that's what, what people want, yes. not to romanticize the story, mm. because sometimes I really do not want to take my pills. Yeah. I um, really don't. Yes. And also with relatability comes, you know, like I'm um, that vulnerability to Absolutely. be able to just be honest with your audience say girl today i'm not feeling okay mm -hmm. they will speak about their problems with their boyfriends they're like girl same here yeah. <laughs> yeah. same here yeah. right. you are tired of pills for me too but i'm still taking them because we have to live yeah yeah now when it comes to stigma, mm -hmm. I believe that it has changed over the years that yes. I've had countless conversations around stigma mm -hmm. and people feeling that, why are we still talking about the HIV yeah. in 2022? Yeah. Um, you know, we've come a long way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people have information. And I always say to them, when you're talking about stigma, it's not about I can't touch someone who's living with HIV. I can't sit next to them. We have moved, you know, um, mm -hmm. quite a bit when it comes to that. But it's about when people look at me and you, mm -hmm. um, um, they think that we're lying when yes. we tell them that we have HIV yes. because we don't look like HIV. Yes. And I tell them, actually, that's where the problem is. Yeah. Because then you are already, you know, putting a barrier for me to come forward with my story mm. or any other person that looks like me. Yeah. So just take me through your own experience when it comes to stigma. What have you experienced? Yeah. Um, it's quite funny that you mentioned the whole thing of us lying. I've had um, people who have said on social media that I get paid to lie to people on social media. I'm like, am I that bored, guys? Like, am I that bored? Yeah, no, she's lying. She's just trying to trick people into getting these um, ARVs. And also, why is it such a bad thing that I'd have to trick people to take them? So um, you are right in saying that people really look at us and they feel like, no, this is not how HIV looks like. And that's where the problem is. Because mm -hmm. firstly, there's no face to HIV. Absolutely. Right. Like even as a compliment, mm. it's not a nice compliment to say, you really don't look like you're living it's with not. HIV. It's not. I really was not, never going to tell that you're living with HIV. How am I supposed to look like? I mean, right. So um, it's those kind of things where it's just like you are being very problematic and you don't even see it. You have people who say things like, oh, I wish my cousin would have seen you. Maybe they would have been able to take their treatment and leave. And I'm like, I come from a family that's very supportive. Mm -hmm. I have the most supportive friends. Maybe I'm here because of that support. What kind of a person were you to your person? Yo. Yes, because if you feel like I they could like have seen that. me, then what were you doing to make sure that they see me or they become like me? 
You know what? On that, I've actually had conversations even on social media where people are like, you know, um, I don't know why they didn't disclose to me earlier. I would have provided a, a you know, a comfortable, um, you know, environment for them mm. to to disclose. And I say to them, sometimes it's not even about what you say about them. Mm. It's about what you say about others in their in their presence. Yes. Because then it makes them think, hang on a sec. If they can say that about the other person, how much how? more me? Why? Oh, how could I be different from the other person? Because mm. we're experiencing the same thing yeah so it's about the things that you do that you think people are not aware of mm. but they are they are because we are literally in the same cycle and if you're going to say oh sadie oh no z <laughs> how is your friend going to and say not realizing that actually yes. the person yeah. upper engine mm-hmm. here in the home is yeah. actually living with hiv as you well you go on facebook and you say oh but they don't look like they're living with hiv your friend is there she's also not looking like hiv mm. but she can't say anything because i guess i don't look like it so why must i say anything now let's talk about love. L O V E. I do not know why I sang. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Now let's talk about love. Um, once again, when it comes to you know um, us talking about love and HIV, mm-hmm. you get mixed reactions. There are those that you know, yeah, I wouldn't mind. Hey, I've had many. <laughs> I've had many comments. You know, yes, hey, I wouldn't mind. I love you, flaws and all. Hey, hey when I watch flaws. Watch flaws. <laughs> and people are like, no, I'd rather date someone who's HIV positive than someone with cancer. Hey, ah. you know, um, and and also people regarding, you know, my husband is a hero yes. because oh. um, he married someone who's HIV positive. Hey, when right? So I wanna go to your own experience about what has been your, you know, if any challenges in you disclosing your HIV status to a potential partner? Is it? The, like one of the first things that you you tell them on the mm. first date um yeah just just talk about that yeah um so with regards to relationships i've always made it a thing to just disclose very early firstly because i don't like wasting my time mm-hmm. so i just feel like let's just eliminate that whole element of mm. finding out later let me just say it now so that we see where we go from here also i don't want to keep someone here who has uh, like negative thoughts about people who are living with HIV and I'm here keeping my story to myself. Yeah. But secondly, they are going to see it obviously on social media. So I guess let's just put it out of the way. Um, but how I've always viewed um, disclosure with relationships and HIV is that for me, and I, it's a very tricky subject because mm. I always feel like I'm not trying to impose my thoughts on anyone. Mm. But what has worked for me is that I do disclose very early. I have had... Um, one experience where someone said i love you but no mm. thank you and how did that make you feel i was yo i was broken mm. i was heartbroken also i was like 20 going on 21 i was very young mm. and um to have that happen to me i literally was not expecting it because um remember i disclosed when i was 18 yeah so i had just kept on like, well i had like one relationship since then and i disclosed and this person was like yeah fine let's date so when i met this one and they said no i was like there's no way yeah <laughs> how mm. right um and i look at that experience and i'm like without trying to romanticize it i do get why it kind of had to ha- i did not deserve it yeah. but i do get why it had to happen because now doing the work that i do i speak to people and the main thing about living with HIV for a lot of people is 
how am I going to take these pills every day for, um, for the rest of my life? Mm. The second one is how am I going to disclose? Yeah. Because I want to be loved. I want to, you know, someone to look at me and see someone worthy of being loved. Yeah. So am I ever going to find that? So every time I speak to people now, I'm able to relate, to listen to them and say, I hear you. Mm. Back then I'd just be like, just disclose. Just say it. Hey, you'll be fine. I was actually <laughs> going to ask that because with me as well. I, I mean, I remember when I met my husband and yeah. um, we had been talking on email for about a, a month or so. And I was like, OK, he's not going anywhere, clearly. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to meet you um, because there's something that I need to I need to tell you. Yeah. And I literally just disclose. So also with me, when people will ask me about how how do I disclose? I'm like, just disclose just disclose but i want to put you in a corner as well because we often often have this conversation when do you disclose there are so many different arguments one okay nozi if i disclose in it and then this person rejects me do do i disclose to every person that i meet on the first date regardless of whether or not i i i know where this relationship is going or do i wait until you know it gets serious to a point where you're like okay we might get a little bit freaky um so let me just disclose before it gets there when Mm. When does someone yeah. disclose? I know I'm putting you in a corner, and thank goodness that I don't have to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> but I just said that I literally don't like telling people what. I know. I don't, and um, I think it differs with everyone. Mm. It goes from person to person, as you're saying. Relationships are different. Yeah. Um. So you will know when to disclose to yeah. someone. I do it every time with mm. everyone unless of course if you like you know me from social media you obviously know what you want me to say like <laughs> right i'll just one day say oh i'm going to go fetch my treatment mm. because you know what do you want me to say but generally just disclose as soon as you can and you know like literally this morning i was having a conversation with this young girl and i said to her that do it when you are sure that you can withstand whichever reaction yes. you get yeah i love that yeah do it um, it, when you are sure that however way um, the, the conversation, the, the conversation goes, is going to go, you'll still be okay. Yes, right? I mean, it's still going to hurt because rejection hurts. Yeah. And you know, I have a good friend of mine who who said the other day that the thing about rejection in HIV is that we internalize it so much that we don't realize that rejection hurts either way. Yeah. And yeah. you don't have to like always just be internalizing it. Mm-hmm. I was actually also, there's another video um, that I had done just about disclosure, you mm-hmm. know, and not only and I was trying to cover so many different aspects of the story that, okay, let's cover from a person that's living with HIV, yeah. right? Um, so they disclose when they're ready and, and all of that. Um, and then from the other person, okay, so when you want them to disclose, what kind of information are you looking for? Um, where does the story start and end? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, have you actually also yourself internalized? How many partners have you also been sexually active with? Mm-hmm. When last did you test for HIV? <laughs> because in some cases, I feel like some people actually um, do not even have the conversations themselves about yes. who they are and their yeah. own journey. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, people out there on social media coming like, yeah, no, they must disclose. Hey, when and, and you know where the thing comes from. Mm-hmm. Remember when you were saying that people sometimes view your husband as this hero? Yeah. It's because a lot of the times people view love and relationships with HIV as something that we should be thankful for. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he loved me so much. She loved me so much with HIV. Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because of that now because when now you disclose to someone who is supposedly HIV supposedly because mm-hmm. you don't even know their status now they're going to be asking you all the, where do you, what did you get it from 
How, how many people have been um, been sleeping with after that? When? Uh, let's talk about you. Then, yes. Because I know that I'm living with HIV. Let's talk about when, you. When? Uh, yes. When last yeah. did you have an HIV test? <laughs> yeah. It's that whole thing mm. of people feeling like they are heroes. Um, I was also reading um a blog post. I think it was a few years ago, and this person was speaking about you equals you, and um they were saying the burden that we don't really speak about require um regarding you equals you is the fact that um this entire burden is put on the partner who's living with hiv yeah. you are forced to take these pills because you can't afford to infect your partner there's prep uh, what? there's prep there are condoms mm. you can also do whatever it needs to happen for you to you know like have a safer sexual life i don't have to be the one carrying the entire thing Mm-hmm. Now I know we're both passionate about this topic We could yes. go on and on yes. Like the whole day And I'm trying to stop myself as yes. well right? Um, so just before we get into our snack um, I want to play a game with you um, It's called Rapid Fire Questions um, I'm going to ask you questions Don't think about it The, okay. first, the first thing that comes into your mind Okay. Yeah. Okay. First question Do you prefer social time or alone time? Alone time I, I figured that much would you, <laughs> would you rather spend a month without Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. Okay. Would you rather have to speak in rhyme, in rhyme for the rest of your life or have to speak in riddles for the rest of your life? Riddles. <laughs> Would you rather wear a constantly changing outfit or a constantly changing hairstyle? Constantly changing outfit. Okay. Last one. Would you rather speak to animals or, or know other people's thoughts? Know other people's thoughts. <laughs> Why do you want to know other because people's thoughts? Because I don't know what you're thinking about me, girl. <laughs> now listen, there's one thing that I, I definitely was not shocked about, the alone time. Yes. 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 Are you like me? Um, as much as I, we both like very outspoken mm. and bubbly, but guys, we very our alone ah, time. Guys, we know when to ah, look off. Like ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know when it's, oh, let's go out for coffee. And like, mm. No, no, thank you. <laughs> okay, now before we continue, um, I'll ask for my last few questions. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the snack. Yes, we talked about the black lace. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, and um, why did you bring the snack, and and what's the story behind it? Okay, so um, I call them the black lace simply because they come from a black packet. Okay, that's literally what I call them. Um, I love them. I literally finished this thing. Uh, like in one sitting and I thought you know Which what one? I love nosy so mm. let me just go plug her yeah my favorite thing what flavor is it it's it's what flavor I don't think I even know <laughs> the flavor I heard it's sweet and American is that describing you <laughs> yes <laughs> No, no, I just mm. black lace. Okay, mm. let's leave the formalities behind. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I want to taste and because I don't, I don't think I've had this flavor. I actually. promise you're going to love them. You're going to love me. And you know, I've, tr- I've been trying to be good, I know, but okay. I think I do deserve. You do. Just one chip. Uh-huh. Okay, we're gonna both have. Okay, yes. okay, let's do it. Okay, cool. Oh my word! Mm-hmm. Welcome to the good side. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sadie. As we are closing off the show, um, just your closing comments around love and HIV. And I think I've also been open, and that's a discussion that we've had before, that whenever uh, my husband and I share our story, 
it's also from a point of view that we're just two people who love each other that yeah. happen to have a story, right? Um, because once again, you see the differences in how they treat me and they treat him. Yeah. Um, you know that I should be thankful. You know that I have this husband who loves me regardless of my HIV status. I'm like, ah, ah guys, it doesn't go like that. Um, he we, just loves me, guys. He just loves me. Yeah. I just happen to have a story, but he genuinely loves me. Yeah. So when it comes to relationships, when it comes to love and HIV, what... Yeah, what are just your closing remarks to anyone that is listening that is still having trouble mm-hmm. um, disclosing, that's still having trouble to find love um, mm-hmm. despite their HIV status? Um, I think like the main thing that we need to know as people living with HIV, as I mentioned earlier on, we don't have to be thankful. And I'm not even saying it like in an arrogant way Absolutely. or saying now we should be cheeky and all that. No, no, no. But you don't now have to feel like, I'll never find this because this is the only person in the world who chose me. You are a human being. You were a human being before you were living with HIV. You are an amazing person with your own amazing personality. HIV just happens to be a condition, a virus that you're living with. And you can manage it because we have ARVs. Mm. And yeah, there's life after being diagnosed with, with HIV and you will find love. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Usangesia struggle. Okay. <laughs> we are go around. Usangesia govisha. But you will find your person and they will love you and you are deserving. I think that's another thing that we take for granted. We are so deserving yeah, of being absolutely. loved with HIV. Mm-hmm. So deserving. And you must believe it. Mm. I always say also to, to, to everyone that I interact with is sometimes there's a level of people will sometimes respond to you the way you also you know view yourself, view yourself. Mm. there is no one in their right mind that could ever come to me and say one two three yes. because i'm like have you looked at myself yeah have you looked at me <laughs> there's no I, one that's gonna say hey this girl is very ugly uh, 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 where? hello <laughs> where? do you really want to have that conversation <laughs> No. So sometimes, honestly, people respond to how you also view yourself. Um, work through those issues. Um, work through yourself. Mm. Um, once again, understand that you are worthy yes. um, of being loved. Um, yeah, it's been such a pleasure. Honestly, I love speaking to you. <laughs> I love always, you know, having these conversations with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Here's to girls just living their best lives. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Here's to girls living their, living best, their best lives. lives. Yep. Thank you so much, Sadie. I really so appreciate it. Until next time, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And that is where we leave it for today, guys. Once again, such a pleasure. I love these conversations. This was Don't Hold Back, where we say it loud, a podcast in collaboration with DW, Jacaranda FM, and East Coast Radio. Please catch this episode and many others on wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. My name is Nozivera Gamgana Mayava. Until next time.